Welcome to the Medical Affairs Professional Society's Digital Focus Area Working Group's three-part podcast series focusing on automation opportunities for medical affairs. In this first podcast, we'll be meeting with an industry expert on automation within the pharmaceutical industry. My name is Rishi Ori, and I'll be the moderator for this podcast. I currently serve as a member of the Digital Focus Area Working Group and work for Stellis Pharma and heading Digital Excellence for Medical Affairs. I work for Stellis for the past 14 years and have been focused in medical affairs digital transformation for over seven years. From a legal disclaimer perspective, the views expressed in this recording are those of the individuals and do not necessarily reflect on the opinions of MAPS or the companies with which they are affiliated. This presentation is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a legal or regulatory advice. We encourage you to engage in conversations about digital opportunities within medical affairs and with other MAPS members via the MAP Connect uh, or on the MAPS website or the mobile app. Simply log in with your email address and password and the associated MAPS account that you have and click the Global Community and the Discuss tab and scroll down to post a question or review any previous recordings. So today's podcast objectives are, firstly, we wanna understand what are key aspects of automation to understand the potential opportunities. Let's talk about some applications of automation within medical affairs and some key examples and takeaways. And lastly, let's talk through some recommendations and how to learn more, how to begin or accelerate your automation journey. I'd like to thank today's panelists for sharing their subject matter expertise with the MAPS membership. Speaking today is April Davis. April, welcome to today's podcast. And I'm extremely excited to facilitate. Would you mind please sharing a brief background to provide a little information on your current position? Uh, hi, Rishi. Uh, thank you for inviting me to speak with you today. I'm super excited to be here. Um, automation and, and R&D is certainly very uh, important to me. Uh, I, I have a passion in it. Um, uh, in my current role at Accenture, um, I actually drive uh, innovation across R&D, predominantly on the D side of R&D. I've been at Accenture for almost 10 years um, in a variety of uh, roles, um, but uh, currently serving as an innovation lead driving um, R&D. I have a background um, in industry in clinical trials, and I've worked with medical and commercial uh, in that space uh, for over 25 years. Super excited to be here, Rishi. Thank you, April. And, you know, we always hear about do more with less. And I think automation is a very important secret ingredient of that, that recipe. So uh, today we're going to begin with some quick definitions and terms that we'll be using in this podcast. April, we often hear terms like RPA, which is robotic process automation, and NLP, which is natural language processing, and a few other popular terms. From your perspective, what are the key terms and definitions we should consider when learning more about automation? It's a very good question. And uh, you're absolutely right that it could be quite confusing um, out there, uh, you know, in terms of understanding automation. Um, in its simplest terms, you can understand automation um, as a spectrum of capabilities that leverage technology. As you mentioned, uh, robotic process automation or, or, or RPA um, works on a, a level of maturity where it's transactional based. 
So quite simply uh, being able to mimic rules um, or do very simple tasks, um, going from A to B, for example, or moving a file from A to B. As you move along the, the spectrum of automation, um, you're really thinking about, as you say, artificial intelligence and natural language processing. And with those technologies, you're actually introducing a level of judgment or prediction or a level of forecasting where a simpler RPA type technology uh, would not uh, provide. And in those particular cases, you're really thinking about more transformational type opportunities uh, for which you would apply that. And in industry today, particularly in, in R&D, it's a, it's a wide variety of use with regards from the simplest of transactional-based automation, for example, RPA, to your more advanced. And as we get into it, you know, we really, it really depends on what you're trying to solve for um, and the value you're trying to get out of it. It's very true. It's, it's, it's really amazing to hear more about this. And I know some of us are um, either in the process or have already implemented things like chatbots and other things that really take advantage of, of some of this, these capabilities, which is super, super exciting. Um, so now that we've acclimated everyone to some of the lingo, let, let's really take it back to our podcast objective. So, so April, from your viewpoint, what are some of the key aspects of automation that you know, we should really understand to really assess those future potential opportunities? From my perspective, it's about thinking of automation and the application of automation um, with a framework. So if you think about uh, the evaluation criteria or the automation evaluation criteria you might look at, is your use case or your potential opportunity automatable, for example? Um, as we talked about, is it transactional? Um, is it repeatable? Or, you know, is the process um, that you want to automate, for example, structured? And, and what type of data is coming into that? And then when you think about automation, it's, it's process readiness. How standardized is the process uh, for which you might want to automate? Finally, when you think about automation and, and a framework of, of making these decisions about how to apply it, what's that ease of implementation of the technology? There are many, many times where you may consider using automation but you need to weigh the, the benefit and costs of the automation with what you're trying to achieve, which really gets back to thinking about this as a value framework. Um, will ultimately this automation reduce costs, increase speed? Um, are you going to improve quality and accuracy? I mean, we are in our industry thinking about compliance and quality all the time. Will you um, improve efforts? Um, so all of this ties into a framework um, that drives your ability to think about your technologies in automation, and it helps you think about prioritization as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think all of us try to strug struggle with the whole, how do we demonstrate ROI uh, for the investments that we're making? And I've always felt that automation is a great example to showcase the true benefits of, of technology and really reinvesting uh, people's time into more, more value-added activities. So interesting, April, and, and so many more applications and opportunities that we can apply automation with even different industries, including pharma. 
specifically, if I think about pharma and applications, you know, within pharma, we see a lot of uh, potential activity with case processing, with pharmacovigilance and other functions as well. We've mentioned chatbots as well, but you know, where specifically do you do you see the application of automation specifically within medical affairs? And hoping you can also highlight some some examples and key takeaways uh, to our listeners today. Yeah, uh, pharmacovigilance is actually a sweet spot, but I'll, I'll hold off uh, on that. Um, you know, particular to medical affairs, um, which I feel very passionate about because of the sisterhood between uh, medical, PV, and commercial. Thinking about the framework that. I outlined just before um, uh, the benefits and on uh, automatability. You know, when we think about medical affairs, you know, field medical, uh, MI, ATOR, and publications. Uh, when you think about what's advantageous, right? What are some key areas that are advantageous? Certainly intake management and KOL interactions, right? Um, those are key areas right off the top where you can begin to think about the benefits and the value. Uh, especially with what medical affairs uh, tries to achieve um, in its discipline. When you think about areas where there may not be benefit, and perhaps maybe it's, um, you know, automatable, um, publication planning and content development. Yes, there are certainly ways where RPA and even advanced um, cognitive RPA might assist in those areas. Um, but you begin to think about what value would you achieve uh, with applying those technologies. And so those are sort of four examples of, uh, you know, both where we might see high benefit versus low benefit. What's really interesting with regards to medical affairs in terms of field, getting back to field, is how can we interact with field better and our patients uh, and the commu communication thereof? And maybe it's not content. Uh, but maybe it's different types of advanced um, artificial intelligence that's uh, being employed to work with field reps, et cetera. So those are some examples in, in the medical affairs space. And what's near and dear to me in the pharmacovigilance space, and there's a connection with medical, um, you think about signal detection and analytics and really thinking beyond the scope of pure RPA um, and how this might be able to work not only uh, from the pure pharmacovigilance of post-market sense, but imagine, if you will, um, the connection of applying these technologies with medical and commercial as well. And then you start to draw up a, a more of a value matrix uh, cross-functionally within a, within a pharma organization. That's, that's uh, so interesting, April. And I like your example uh, for the, the field um, for, for one example that I was going to share was if you think about the interaction that the, the MSL has with the HCP and the different um, aspects and, and data formats and data sources that exist both internally and externally with, you know, who's, who's tweeting on Twitter, who's, who's publishing, who's, who's posting to YouTube. These are all sources of information. And as an MSL, you want to have um, all of that information at your fingertips curated for you in a way that will um, essentially improve the interaction that you're having. And I think I think automation has a, a huge role in that and opportunity. Um, so again, thank you for some great examples and takeaways. And just um, going into some of our last few questions, and we're already near the end of the podcast. But you know, April, if you were just starting out on your digital transformation journey and you wanted to embed automation in your roadmap, 
where would you start? Where would you begin? And where would you find places to maximize return on your investment? Also, you know, potentially what areas might we want to avoid? And promise last question, can you recommend uh, any resources or help or guidance to the community to learn more about automation and also the value that it can bring into the organization? Yeah, I'll start uh, from the, the the first question, and I also wanted to kind of bring it home that you know medical affairs they tend to be the gatekeeper for the provision of of services for patients and HCPs as we talked about, and so when you think about focusing on the patient, um, medical affairs is really at the hub of that, and so to answer the question about um, where do you start, and I'm going to start with that question, it starts with the patient, and I think. You know, in industry, we, we've certainly put that out there, starting with the patient, uh, but medical plays a key role when you look across uh, the different functional areas uh, within an organization. But starting out um, and focusing on the patient, perhaps HCPs um, and, and, and certainly uh, those, those services, leveraging a framework to, to engage your stakeholders uh, and really come to the decisions about the value-based framework I talked about is very important. If you start with a framework that leads you to define that roadmap, uh, perhaps with a guiding principle of patient at the center, um, you'll find it a a good uh, path to take uh, to make your investments as we've talked about uh, and begin to deploy um, proof of concepts along the way. Without a value-based framework, um, it becomes a little challenging um, for proof points Um, and actually demonstrating value against the the patient case as well. Um, Finally, you know, I I think with with regards to, um, you know, community links or or areas where people can find research, certainly within the MAPS organization, I find it really useful um, that people have a centralized area to go to for a lot of information, um, certainly around this space. Uh, but there are a, a ton of um, uh, publications, uh, uh, websites out there and publications that certainly serve out for research and education in pure automation, but also in the life sciences community, uh, both um, uh, public and certainly um, sponsored communities out there uh, that I would be happy to, to offer up at, at a future time. Thanks, April, and such great tips and guidance. And it's it's really amazing to to hear your your viewpoints on all of this. And starting with the the patient at the center of it is is really great advice. I do want to give give you April a big thanks for being our speaker today. Um, this has really been the first podcast in a series on this topic: automation opportunities for medical affairs. Um, in our next podcast, we will discuss some opportunities in automation at Astellas. Um, with our head of information systems. I'm looking forward to that discussion. And lastly, if you are a MAPS member, thank you for your support of MAPS. If you're not yet a MAPS member and would like to access to additional resources in this area, please do visit the MAPS website and explore joining today at medicalaffairs.org forward slash membership. This concludes our podcast.